This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Here we are again. So we're going to be talking about something that's a really odd phrase, which is blended families. Yeah, you know, st- I'm a step parent. You're from yeah, two oh, daughters. I'm not a step parent. You're not a step parent. I'm not parent. even a stepchild. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no. So it's a good, it's a good one. This because so many people are experiencing the challenges mm. of being a. Come on, let's say it. Blended, blended family. family. And there are so the many... affection of that is just scary. And there are so many different perspectives. Mm. So many. So. Hello. Hello. We've only just literally bumped into each other. It's so romantic. <laughs> so romantic, isn't it, meeting in these studios? We've done it. We've got here. Yeah. And here to talk about... Well, actually, when, did, when was this phrase coined, blended families? Yeah, I don't know why. I, there's something about it that I find sort of a bit strange. Blended. No, it's funny you should say that because at work the other day, we were talking about this and somebody said, actually, I, I said, do you ever find that word in itself intimidating? Because it suggests that everything's smooth and blended, you know, beautiful, smoothie, yeah. but actually it still can feel very lumpy. To me, yeah, being it's part su- of a blended family. It suggests it's very free and easy and like it's been beautifully mixed mm. and it's very balanced and considered when, in matter of fact, it's incredibly jagged, messy, splashes Sometimes. everywhere. Well, no, mm. I mean, but I mean, even to get to a blended play. I mean, so what do we mean by blended families? I'm assuming we mean, you know, couples who get together, who have children from other relationships, you know, perhaps been a single parent for a while or like myself, I'm the father to two children and I bring them with me to mm. our, our relationship. And, and, you know, in a way, you know, outside of stepchildren as well, we have to blend families. You've had to, you know, meet my my family and blend in with them. And when we first met, we were living right next door. Well, we're still living we next still door do. to them. And so you're blending in that way. But yeah. it's a whole different ball game once children are, are involved. Why don't we go back, because this always works quite well, doesn't it, when we have these chats, to, to our childhoods and... Certainly, I had a very, well, what you would say on paper is the dream hmm. situation. A mum and dad that liked each other. Two that were children. engaged in each other's lives, hmm. who had huge fun and would have parties. And we grew up watching two people that loved each other. Hmm. It wasn't perfect, but it was as probably as near as you could get it, you know. Um, and I grew up thinking that I would never in a million years marry anyone that already had children. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I remember you saying that before. Um, I grew up in an entirely single-parent household from the age of two. Mm-hmm. Um, it was predominantly... My mum had predominantly heterosexual relationships up until the age of seven, and then at the age of seven she came out as gay. Um, but, it, you know, she moved between relationships with great speed mm. and alacrity. Actually, I've just realised I've never asked you whether if any of the people that she went out with had children. No, none of them did. None of them? No. How weird is that? Because she did go out with a lot of people. But she was also very young. 
and the people yeah, that she was going she was out with 20. were also very young. Yeah, mm. and I think you know, I don't know, it wasn't quite so cool to have kids then. I don't know. Um, so I was very much the only kid knocking about all these relationships for for many years. Um, and so the sense of a blended family, I had no experience myself of a blended family. I didn't have to accommodate any step-siblings or, you know, any half-siblings or yeah, anything like too. that. Um, so there was none of that stuff going mm. on. I did have a constantly shifting parenting situation. So, you know, I'd go from having these, well, I never really had another father figure, but I had a, a couple of very strong female, my mum's mm. gay partners, female sort of, I guess, stepmother types. You know, mm. it was a curious situation, really. Um, but one of them I got on with really well and the other one I struggled against massively. So, I mean, in a weird way, I remember when I was about 11 at school doing a straw poll in my class and asking people, how many of your parents were married, you know, when they had you? And I weirdly was one of the only ones. I had the most out there domestic situation as a teenager because my mum was gay and a single parent, but I was one of the only ones who was born in wedlock. And I don't know whether... In wedlock? Yeah, in wedlock. Does anyone say that anymore? So I, I used to run around class going, I'm not a bastard. And, you know, oh, like, yeah, laugh do you remember at every, that? Yeah, you're a bastard, yeah, I'm not a bastard. Yeah, do you remember bastard. that at school? Yeah, and I used to love that. For me, it was really important. The one I was all these other things, but, but I wasn't, wasn't a bastard. bastard. And wow. I felt I took some kind of refuge from that. But... I remember feeling very, very left out. I remember going home to my parents one day and saying, why aren't you divorced and why do right. we live in a house? I want to live in a flat. And kind I was cool. furious with them that we lived in a semi and they were yeah. still together. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, but I do vividly remember as a child thinking when I become a parent, and this is a bit sad in a way, I desperately didn't want to have children and not be with the parent of that, you know, those children. I didn't want to split up. I, I, I you know, I, I wanted to make sure everything was programmed so that I wouldn't have a situation, which was precisely the situation I ended up with, which was two children from two individual women who I didn't live with. Mm. That was the absolute opposite of what my intentions and desires were as a child. Um, so when I, when it came to us meeting and getting together. I actually approached the whole thing with a huge element of, of, of embarrassment and shame mm. about being, you know, not having children. It wasn't a shame about the children, but kind of it doesn't look good on a resume. And I just no, wonder, I'm sure that, that that's the case, must be the case these days now, or it seems to be increasingly the case, that it's a very accepted norm now mm. that most people come with the baggage of children. Whereas I, I do remember, you know, 17 years ago when we met, it felt really, I felt really aware of it in a, in a, in a bad way. Well, it did. Yeah, I mean, things have moved on, haven't they? I mean, I, I, I would never have been in judgment of anybody if they had kids with, because I think any one of us could be in the same situation. Mm. You know, it's really, you know, if you've had sex and you've had sex with more than one person, it's always yeah. possible that anybody. I don't know how could I had have... kids. I've never had sex. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was certainly never judgmental of people. That wasn't my thing, but it was just. I just didn't want to marry somebody that mm. already had kids. I wanted, I suppose, somewhere I wanted what I'd had as a child, yeah. which was, you know, my siblings, my mum and dad, and that was it. And I didn't want to have children that had to have other children from somewhere else. And I was very, very prejudiced about it, really. Mm. But, I, again, didn't judge anyone else if they did it, but it just wasn't my thing. That wasn't going to be yeah. my thing. I was, it was all going to be spanking new, fresh, clean page, me and some person. No. But I'm, I'm sort of mindful. A lot of what we're talking about now is stuff that we've covered in our How to Stay Married chat that we do, which is about, you know, what it's like meeting someone who's already got kids. 
but the considerations for the children. So in a weird way for me, in terms of, you know, my children and our children, shared children, who became your stepchildren, Izzy and Fleur, if I'm really honest, I probably didn't... I mean, I thought of them insofar as I was caring for them when I had them and I, when I saw them when we had children, when we had Maddie and Kiki. But there was no element of discussing what was about to happen with them, seeking permission from them, you know, liaising with them about the fact that they were suddenly going to have two siblings brought into their life. And I think when we talk when about blended families... It, I think it's awful. Sorry? When I look back on it, I think it's awful. You know, and if I think about it, and I think about the speed and the veracity with which, you know, we went about having Maddie, in a sense, so quickly within our relationship... Um, I do think when you talk about blended families and stepchildren and the children that we've got that aren't stepchildren, sort of our full children, if you like. But, of course, the weird thing for me is when I talk about my children, all four of my girls are my full children, um, I never once really, I suppose, honestly considered their feelings in it, which is stuff that... I've no, because you just... Because... And you've had these conversations with Izzy, haven't you? You're yeah. our, your eldest. Um because what you and this is something that parents do all the way through, it's not just in this situation. You just assumed that they would be happy, yeah, because you were giving them what is what is the norm, hmm. you know, and what you had wanted. Okay, I couldn't give you a family, but now I'm giving you a family and I'm bringing these two children, hmm. and actually, that isn't what. No. She wanted, actually. And we and, never asked. Well, she's never asked. And, and she's very vividly said as a grown-up, you know, why did you assume it was something I ever wanted? Mm. It's something that was presented to me as a fait accompli and I have to just get on with it. And I think it's important to hear that for other parents out there who are in a blended family situation. If you've come to a relationship with kids already, I'm not suggesting for a minute you need to sit them down and, and, let and, them make the, no, and ask no. permission and let them make the decision for you. No, far from it. But I think if I look back... I could have, and maybe again, it's, it's the way in which the times change. We weren't so touchy-feely with our kids. That's all changed within the, just the last 17 years, in a sense, which is how old Maddie is. And I do wonder, I do wish when I look back that I'd been a bit more attentive to their emotional needs. Well, I think it's, I think the advice would be, well, though I hate to use that word because who are we to advise? I mean, with hindsight, my advice to myself would be to not have just assumed it would make them happy. Yes, yeah. you can't ask them permission, mm. but the conversation would have gone more like, rather than, wow, great news, mm. Nadia's going to have a baby and you're going to have a new sister. Okay, I'm not sure how you might take this. We're obviously very happy, but it might be a bit of a mixed emotion, bag of mixed emotions for you, yeah. but we're going to have another baby. How mm. do you feel about that? Mm. Because I think what we did was we told them how they would feel about it. Mm. This is great news and you're going to love it. Well, no. I mean, it could be incredibly disorientating for that child. I mean, when I came along, you're, you know, you and... You and Izzy, Fleur was much younger, but you and Izzy had a very... She had you all to herself mm. every time you had access with her. And then suddenly, she was never with you by yourself. No, and as you say that, I was just sitting here contemplating that shift. And, it, you know, where I'm at with Izzy, and she's now 26, 27 nearly, you know, when I sort of sit there and I sort of think of the mistakes I made... I think it must have been an incredibly abrupt change for mm. her. And I, I I, feel sort of very guilty. I feel like I was inconsiderate. I feel like I made many no. assumptions. No, I, I mean, no, but when I, when I look back, these are some of, the, some of the feelings I have. And so I, I suppose my advice to anyone who, say, come into a relationship with kids already in tow, if you like, 
is, you know, is, is, is to sort of somehow try and maintain that one-on-one -on -one time with that child because I think I probably turn my back on that just because the needs and the busyness of us mm. having our own children naturally gobbles you up, doesn't it? It gobbles up, gobbles up all your spare time. But I'd like to pull you on the inconsiderate line. I think it's a really good point that you made that we are, OK, if you go back 17 years ago, if you go back to when we first met, we were both crazy drinkers. You were mm. you were fully into alcohol, active uh, very high functioning, active alcoholic. We'd had never had any therapy. We'd never had read any self help books. No. We were just instinct, and we did. We we genuinely came with the joy of wow, we're having a baby, and you're all going to feel great because we're going to have more of a family. Mm. We weren't inconsiderate. We were perfectly considerate. It's just we didn't realise that we'd made mistakes, mm. and I think. Now we've learned that language and we've learned that actually it's far better when you keep a child informed. And I know there'll be people that will that will say, oh, God, I mean, you know, what are we getting to? Snowflake generation, we have to mm. ask our kids. No, no, it's just taking into consideration their feelings because this is a seismic change in their mm. lives to bring in a new baby and expect everyone to coo over it and expect... So, so yeah, so that's where our story begins. Mm. I think we got off to a dodgy foot dodgy with the blend. Yeah. Dodgy. But what I would say as a stepmother... I was going to say, can I just ask you, what did the word stepmother, can you know, sort of... What, what does that word sort of... What are well, the connotations of that word when you used to hear it, stepmum? You always hear the stepmum is like, mm, a little bit po-faced. Well, I made a very... Before I even met Izzy, I had said... I knew that I... I knew how I felt about you. And so Izzy was an extension of you, obviously her own person as well, but an extension of you. And so I wanted her to be happy because mm. I wanted you to be happy. So that's where I came from. I never had a shred of jealousy or envy or anything that I know some people really do struggle with, and I understand that. I really didn't. When I saw her for the first time, I saw a, a sweet little, quite... I mean, she's very, very smart, isn't she? But she was... Yeah, she was... There was anxiety in mm. there. What am I facing? And that's what I saw above from anything else. And I thought, my place as a stepmother or as your girlfriend at the time is all of our feelings are irrelevant. We, how do we make her feel comfortable and happy? This is really difficult for her. She's coming into this relationship and she goes back home and blah, 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 blah. And that's... I mean, I've made millions of mistakes as a stepmom. Mm. I wish I could change a lot of things and, and, and a lot of misunderstandings. But I know that my intention was good. I've made mistakes, but my intention was good. My um, I mean, I personally, my experience of you as a stepmom was an entirely favourable one. I mean, I'd had relationships before where Izzy, and, and, and less, lesser so Fleur because she was that much younger, but Izzy would feel jealousy over the relationship I was having mm. and she would feel quite possessive of me. Um, and that was partly because the partner I was with perhaps was also a little bit sort of wanted me to herself as well. So, you know, it, that becomes quite quite tricky. And I think that's something that resonates for a lot of blended families mm. is the sort of power struggle, if you like, between the stepmom or the stepdad and the child that's vying for the attention mm. That, mm. that comes with the parent who's, you know. Well, I mean, I think I think so. And I think what used to happen, and this is where I feel sorry for our girls, and I think that I made a mistake as a... Because I never called myself a stepmother. I'm no. their friend. I, I'm not... They had their mothers and the mothers were looking after them no, just you never fine. tried to be a replacement mother. I'm, I'm, so 
things like they would come, they would be incredibly messy, towels dropped on on the floor. I would feed them whatever they want. They could sit wherever they want. They never had to wash up. They never had to put anything in the dishwasher. They never had to da-da-da. And actually, I think that that was wrong. They could just, they were like guests. They came to the house and could do whatever they wanted. Mm. And I did that because I didn't... I didn't know how to be a locus parentis, is that how you say it? Um, and so I was—I just treated them like a mate that was coming around to hang around because I was thinking, God, if I was your age and I was going to my dad's house with another woman there and she said to me, uh, can you pick up your towel? Uh, can you do the work? Mm. I would have hated it. It would have made me feel so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't do it. But I think maybe that made them feel more like guests than family. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, another I know thing that I feel bad about is I did... Our children together, I would completely put them to one side when the girls came over. Mm. So the uh, Izzy and Fleur, my stepchildren, whatever they wanted is what would happen. Mm. Because I felt guilty that the whole rest of the year they had us, they had a, a you know, um, a mum and dad. They had, yeah, they just just. Well, they had everything that both. Izzy and Fleur have both said they would have liked for themselves. Exactly, their, their and I felt enormous together. guilt with that. So it was a kind of unreal situation yeah. whenever they yeah. came from for access. It was a kind of fabricated world. Yes. And how do you maintain that when they grow up? And, and I mean, I'm fascinated. I can't wait to hear what Maddie has said about being part of a blended yeah, family yeah. because Maddie never, ever ever complained. No. Never once. And she was always put on the back burner when they came. Mm. I mean, before we go to what Maddie said, I mean, one of the other things that is quite, I quite like this sort of chronology of how we moved into it, because the other thing that you carry in blended families, unfortunately, is the highs and lows and the horrors of the relationship outside of the family. So, for example, my relationship with Izzy and Fleur's mums, how that would then feature within our lives and play out within our lives was incredibly stressful. Well, you know, like when this was the Princess Diana, there was three people in this marriage. I mean, I mean, obviously, you had broken up for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wasn't an affair. No. There was no crossover. There was a long gap, mm. and yet the. Um, and I'm going to pick carefully here because these other people's private lives, but there was a lot of pain. Yeah. There was still a lot of pain and people were maybe dealing with that. You as well. You know, I pulled you up a lot on the way that you dealt with things. Mm. I couldn't with the mums because that was their thing and that's their story and it was nothing to do with me. But I came into a toxic situation, mm. a very toxic situation mm. where I think things had got out of hand with emails and all this sort of stuff. And that's very debilitating. If you've got somebody coming into your relationship, and for the listener that that might be with this now, when somebody's bringing that into your relationship and it doesn't look like a relationship, you want a relationship to look like or feel like when you're first with somebody, when you're just carefree and know, oh, my God, there's this incredible haunted feeling the whole Mm. time, this shadow over, and that's where I think it, it becomes very dangerous for stepchildren because I think people can fall into blaming the children for that and then, you know, and then there can be a lot of pain for the children. And also the children can really go into lockdown. I mean, I think, you know, I had very painful situations with both Izzy and Fleur in their teenage years where the breakdown in communication between me and their their mums translated into a breakdown in our my, my communication with them too. And I think that, you know... We fell foul of this. It can become very heated and very easy within a blended family. 
for the, if you like, how would you call it, the, the sort of the, the actual family to almost feel under attack or besieged or very self-protective. Mm. And then you start to hold the kind of, you know, the, the stepchildren at arm's length a bit. And then the very thing that those stepchildren were fearful of happening, which is not quite feeling like they belong to either home, starts to actually happen. Mm. And that's a really layered and complicated thing that me and, to be honest with you, Izzy Amfler, are still working out for ourselves yeah. now. It is a very complicated relationship. And I think when you're struggling with it, being a step parent, I think the only way to get through is to continuously, continually put yourself in the place of the child. Mm. I'm sure, I mean, I, as I say, I did the best that I could. And, you know, I'm sure there are things that I did wrong. Um, but I, the one thing I I know I did right was I was constantly thinking, God, what must it be like for her? She's seven. What must it be like to come to this strange woman's house? And the thing is, I hadn't had, a, a, at that point, I hadn't had experience of children at that age of my no, own. No. And so when my, our girls were like four, and I would be thinking retrospectively and thinking to myself, oh my God, Fleur, bless her, was only four mm, when mm. she came and stayed. And now I'm seeing what a four-year-old is actually yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I just always had huge, huge sympathy for them. I yeah. think it was incredibly difficult for them and difficult for us and difficult for our children in all very different ways. I also, I have to say, I have to say an enormous thank you to you. I don't want to get all gloopy, but I'm going to get a bit gloopy. I mean, I, I genuinely, genuinely, when I look, make a gratitude list, I, I look at the way you've been with both my girls and the way you've conducted yourself and strived to be fair and honest and balanced and supportive of everyone involved. I am so grateful because if I'm if I'm really honest, vice versa, there's no way on earth I could have been as selfless as you've been. I, you know, and I don't know whether that's because I don't know. Whether, I'd love to know the statistics of whether more blended families have children coming with the sort of dad into that situation, or whether you know there must be as many mm. as many homes where stepfathers are coming into homes. Do you know what I mean? Rather than stepmoms. So, mm. um, but I, I know for a fact. I know where my strengths and weaknesses lie, and I know that through all of the, my battles with alcoholism and all that kind of stuff, there's no way I could have got to the point that we're at now which is, you know, having sort of survived it in a sense, because it's it's an incredibly fraught situation. But as you've just said, I think we often think about how difficult it is for the stepchild, because, of course, they're the ones actively coming in and no, going away. Bless them. They're bless little them. hearts. They're moving from one house to it. Yeah. You know, a whole different set of rules, a whole set of... I mean, it's just so hard. It's yeah. just so hard. And they dread, and we used to dread the whole doorstep thing, didn't oh, we? I mean, it was horrific. Handing... Or bringing them home. or And then you've only got 48 hours, and in that 48 hours, you've got to give them a great time. You've got to try and connect. You've got to... You know, you can't discipline. You couldn't discipline because, oh, my God, you know, if you could tell them off on a Sunday, you haven't got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no, no. Friday for the next two weeks, two weeks to make it up. No, no. there's this chasm, this space yeah. in which everything can fester. No, absolutely. And so it's so, so hard, so hard for the, for the parent, the, the absent parent, because and also 
for the parent that whose child is going off yeah. to have the weekend with the with the parent and the step parent that go, do you know what? Let's throw bedtime out the window because of yes. course we're going to throw bedtime yeah. out the window. We're only seeing you once every fortnight, so we're going to say let's stay up till two a.m. watching movies because we don't get to see you. And it's important to stress that point because I think the perception for the say the mum whose children are going to the or other the family to the mm. dad's family, new family, is always the idea that they're having a much better time and they, they you know all the rules stop and there's no there's no sort of discipline and all that sort of stuff and so it becomes very pressured so you know I think yeah you get to this point where your kids are all nearly grown up and you know apart from Gigi who's 12 and you sort of look back and you think this was fraught for everyone but interestingly I think the the one sort of member of the entire blended family scenario that gets very little focus because there's an assumption they've got what they require is in a sense the Maddie and Kiki in our situation because we we can talk about the obviousness of how difficult it is mm. for the stepchildren because they're absent and present and absent and present and don't have their parents together. But then, interestingly, it's been very challenging for Maddie and Kiki in a different way. Now, they've never complained. They never talked, they've never really sort of commented on this. But I think we've both felt over the years when we look back that really Maddie, and lesser so Kiki, but Maddie specifically because she was obviously the firstborn for us, has had to sort of step back and sort of forego any of her kind of And yes, and that's feelings. from that perspective, but I'm sure from um, Izzy and Fleur, their whole life will have yeah, felt like they stepped back because Maddie had you all the time. No, no, you know, but so that's my really point. That, yeah, yeah, it's but, weird. And that's why the one at home can get, their things can get neglected. Exactly. Because you're going, well, you're exactly. lucky. You've got dad three weeks of the, yeah, three, yeah, yeah. Week, three weekends of the month. But I remember Maddie saying to me, it was strange for Maddie to work out why this sister would come and then go. It was very odd for her when she was a young child. She was like, but I don't understand it. And then for obviously to have the additional complication of Izzy and Fleur having different homes, Mm. she was trying to rationalise that. And I remember feeling great shame and embarrassment about all of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard. And when, when you feel shame and embarrassment about something to do with how your children have come into the world, I'm sure that must rub off on your children and how they feel you feel mm-hmm. about them, potentially. Mm-hmm. But shall we have a listen to what Maddie's got yeah. to say about this? Yes. For me, I don't actually remember, like, when I found out that um, my two older sisters, like, uh, that we didn't have the same mum. I don't really remember the day that... Uh, I was told that, I think it was just, I kind of always, I don't know, I've never really, I've never really even thought too deeply about the fact that they have different mums because um, they were around so much when I was a kid, I just assumed that they were my sisters, you know. Um, uh, But I feel like, um, I've definitely always had this thing that I've always kind of felt guilty that I've had, like, basically the life that they want you know I've always felt guilty that I've had both parents um because I kind of feel like it's unfair that they didn't and that I did um so sometimes I do feel guilty that I had that and that they didn't get that um and yeah but I I didn't feel that so much as a kid I feel like as a kid I just because you don't really think too deeply about anything they just kind of they were there, they were my sisters, because they would come up on the weekend. Um, and, I mean, there was a sense of, obviously, the, my, my parents would give a lot of attention to them because, obviously, they aren't getting my dad uh, all the time like I am. And, um, obviously, that was their... The weekend was, you know, their time, so I never, like, felt, like, left out or upset by the fact that 
you know, that they were getting all the love because, you know, they deserved it because um, I, I always had the chance to be getting that. Um, but I think definitely as I've gotten older, I, I felt more guilty about having um, both parents because I just think it's unfair that they didn't get that as well. Um, I do think we often hear about the stresses for the step kids, and obviously there are still a lot of problems for, like, the kids who do have both parents. But I, I still don't think it, it... I honestly still don't think it amounts to the stresses that the stepkids have because obviously I can never imagine what it's like to not have a dad present uh, or not having a parent present, just having one parent. Um, I can never understand what that feels like because that's never been me. But I can understand that it hurts and that that the stepkids totally have a reason to be jealous or upset or, you know, feel like they're in competition. But that doesn't mean that it's, you know, not hard for the kid that does have both parents. It's just, it's difficult in a different way. Um, but, yeah, I definitely say being the sister that me and Kiki... I, I can't really speak for Kiki, but definitely me being the sister that had both parents, I have felt very guilty about it. Um... Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's been stressful for me. Uh, it's been a little difficult, not in the sense that they've ever made me feel like I, it should be a difficult situation, but I just have found it kind of a difficult situation in myself just because, I don't know, it's, it's kind of hard when you feel like uh, it's unfair with your own sisters, but I just feel like it's unfair that I got this and that they, they didn't sort of thing. Um, and it's difficult in that sense, but I've never been made to feel like it's difficult or made to feel like it's I, I should be guilty. That's just uh, me and myself. Um, I, I mean, the positives are that I, I love my two older sisters so much, and honestly, I never really think about them being half-sisters. They're, they're just my sisters. And I had such a great childhood, you know, being around them all the time and my cousins. Um... I definitely feel like a lot of the time we've spent together has, like, shaped me into the person I am today. And, you know, I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want to not have them as sisters. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I really like... Because I've always wanted older siblings... Like, I've always wanted an older sibling that I live with sort of thing. So it's really nice that I have... Like, I've never kind of had that sort of thing that, oh, I wish I didn't have older sisters. Like, I'm really glad I have older sisters. I like, wish I was more... I was closer or, like, saw more of them. Um, uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, I mean, obviously it's difficult for both sides of the, you know, it's never difficult for just one person. Um, but yeah, I think the, the most, the, the thing I felt the most around the whole situation is guilt, just because I feel like, um, yeah, I just feel like sometimes I don't. I shouldn't be as sad about certain things as I am because at least, like, you know, I have had my mum and my dad, like, around all the time and they still love each other and everything. I'm really lucky to have that. So I do feel a lot of guilt and, like, unfairness. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, I, I don't actually think about it that much because it's just... It's how my life is. Like, it's, it is what it is. I've never had any difference, so I don't see it differently. Oh, Maddie, Maddie. What did we do to deserve Maddie? Mm. <laughs> she makes me cry. Yummy. She's just so... She's so kind, isn't she? She's so kind. and But, I mean... And fair. What, what, 
what I'm hearing there a lot is... It's weird, isn't it, to hear these things for the first time mm. like, right here in the studio. To yeah, hear we that. haven't heard that before. Um, you know, guilt. what I'm hearing is guilt, 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 guilt. Mm. And yet I'm also hearing that she has come to terms with everything and she's worked it out and it's not that perfect because there is nothing perfect. And yet again, from Maddie, we learn so much mm. because that is actually the reality. You know, we've tried our best... We've made mistakes. There are things we could have done better. There are things that we can look back on and wish that we had the knowledge then, but we just didn't. And it's like Maddie says, you know, at the end of the day, it's okay. You know, um, obviously that compartmentalised from her POV. But again, to go back to the stepchildren, my stepchildren, your children, um, yeah, it's 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 shit, really. Well, it's, it's shit when your parents break up. I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, come on, the whole blended, yeah, let's all blend and let's all be fantastic and we can all make this work. Most kids just do want, just do, don't want their parents to split up, do they? And so, actually, being part of a blended family is like sweep. There's lots of joy. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of joy, but there's a lots of sweeping up shit as well. Well, and I do worry, I do think, and I think going back to the original comment, you know, blended family, I think there's a danger that with that sort of phrase and the way in which we talk about it and we just accept it and it's all sort of, it sort of almost suggests that there shouldn't be any problem with mm. it and that we should all be able we're to go with so the flow with and this. we're all so cool. You know, it's funny, listening to Maddie just then, I could feel the the child me with that desire not to have a broken family and to have not to have children essentially dotted in different places trying to structure a relationship. Um, but you know, li- lis- listening to Maddie, listening mm. to Maddie talk just then, she manifested all the reasons why I didn't want that, that I had no understanding or awareness of as a child. I knew it, you know, how can it not be tricky or difficult on some level, even if it's your norm? Because I think all kids are very resilient in some ways. They get used to what's presented to them. But it doesn't necessarily mean what's presented to them is necessarily right or easy or manageable or or even coherent. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I mean, I can hear her talking there sort of like, well, this is the norm, this is it. But, uh, you know, there'll be times there, there'll be times when it's it's not been those things. You know, Mm -hmm. she's seen me upset, she's seen me hurt, she's seen Izzy hurt, she's seen Fleur. There's there's just so much pain swimming around in a blended family. Mm. There is pain, not for everyone, but... But from for many, there's a lot of pain, and it's about navigating your ways through that those rivers of pain and joy, mm. and it's exhausting. It can be absolutely exhausting and exhilarating at the same time, like all parenting. But I just want to put a word in for the parents as well, and the absent parents. Um, you know, I, if I'm honest, I think I was incredibly. Um, sexist, actually, before I met you. And I was very much, I mean, if you think about the way the law works, the law works in very much that it's everything is about the mother. Mm. Um, but whether you're an absent parent, man or woman, I think um, the pain is absolutely extraordinary having witnessed it. Mm. 
And I think if if you, listener, are one of those and you're dealing with the access and you're dealing with the back and forth, a friend of mine said the other day that um, she was just chatting casually to her daughter about um, about her dad and he was she was saying something like, oh, maybe daddy could such and such, you know, she, and she said, oh, no, daddy couldn't because daddy doesn't like you. Mm. And it was just a throwaway comment and, and her daughter just carried on playing and mucking about... And and she said, I I know, you know, my ex doesn't like me, but to hear my child say, say it, it mm. to hear that from the child, the toxicity that goes on mm. within within these relationships, and you know, and I I, I you know I, I I you know I pulled you up mm. on occasions where I thought that you were adding to toxicity, and you know, or maybe not being as patient as you could be with access and vice versa, you know, again, saving everyone's privacy here. There was, it was very, very contentious. And it always comes down to the same thing. Can we be grown up enough to put ourselves as the adult looking at the child who is actually really suffering? Mm. The child that has to be passed from doorstep to doorstep, back and forth, who has to switch and change into what other people. And and, and I know it's difficult. And some people have, I mean, my stepdaughters were adorable and delightful. Some people have little shits Mm. that are coming over. And they're probably, and a lot of why they might be being little shits is because actually they're very unhappy and confused by the situation. And it's our job as adults to just be grown ups and go, okay, this is tough. This Mm. is tough for me as an adult. It must be a million times worth for you as a kid. I also think it's interesting that you should say that. I mean, I do think, you know, the experience that we've gone through, I think it's really important to stress the equivalence of the paternal instinct in all of this. Dads can feel as passionately about their children as mothers can. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I worry the law skews this way for very obvious and right reasons on on many occasions. But I do generally think that, you know, um, the idea that, you know, men are more free and easy and, and just kind of, you know, j- just take it in their stride. And, OK, admittedly, the statistics are such that there are lots of families with absent dads who aren't sort of in contact with their children. But, you know, a, there are also a vast, vast number of fathers like I was who genuinely felt that responsibility as keenly as the mothers did. And mm. so, you know, it is hard. It is hard because there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of hurt in any blended family within the within the sort of realm of the parents on both sides. Mm. And like you just said, Nadia, is how do you manage all of that, deal with all of that, interrogate it, solve it, you know, and all that sort of stuff, whilst at the same time provide some kind of safety valve for the kids, you know. So I would urge families, however contentious the split or access is, to just refrain from influencing your children from knowing too much about what you're actually feeling about the partner. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're both these children's parents, even if you don't live together. Every time you say something bad about about yeah. another parent you hurt it's like a knife going into your yeah. child isn't it that's that's the really important and, thing to remember and the, the the more important thing is you run the risk if you do that a lot and you can do it indirectly as well as saying horrible things about the uh. other partner you also run the risk of weaponizing that child's relationship with the absent parent. It's something mm. that can happen very easily. And we easily. know that with some friends of ours, We absolutely we? have We've seen, seen that. that We've seen that in, in, in action. And, yeah. and so you've got to be very mindful about the most gentlest of things. So, 
you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. But it's interesting. I, I'm pleased that we've got it from the perspective because, I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about it from the perspective now. I didn't enough then, perhaps, from Izzy and Fleur's position and how difficult it must have been. But it's interesting to hear it from Maddie's. Mm. Um, I think, because I, I think what can happen is the two parents, the absent parent and the, are so wrapped up in their own yes. pain and they, they, they forget, they lose their way. They think they're fighting for their kid, but actually they're still continuing an argument they didn't finish within their relationship. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if the, if the listener is like me and is the, is the, is the, you know, the new new one on the block. It is rather like having always the ex relationship within your relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that becomes very, very difficult. And it can become difficult to uh, I'm thinking of uh, two friends of ours um, that this has definitely happened, hasn't it? That they that they because there is still this anger going on between the two of them, mm. um, this transfers to the child, then transfers to their new relationships, yes. and it's just a bloody mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get therapy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I think family therapy as well is, oh, is, is a God. good thing. Oh God, I try. wish, I wish we'd all had family therapy. I really yeah, do. I, do. I really, I, I wish that could be made. I mean, I know there's there's so little money about, but I think if there was more money invested in that, there'd be a lot of money saved down mm. the line. I really do. I think if we could offer all all um, divorcing couples with children yes. some sort of therapy just to just to bring people over that first bump so that yeah, hopefully yeah, yeah. the bumps don't continue on and on and on, that would be a yeah. great thing. So there you but go. But it's definitely a conversation we can come back to many times, yeah. I think. It is a vast, it is a vast mm. topic and, yeah, ever-changing. So, yeah, let's I just think, about yeah, it let's again. Just, I, I just find that word blended is so Islington. <laughs> Isn't it? It's so sort of metropolitan. Ah. Was it called Metro Male? definitely looked like... It's so cool. It's it, what Tarquin would say. It's definitely... Ours definitely has looked at times like chunky cold soup. Yeah, it hasn't looked blended, like a blended... Almond really. chia smoothie. No. And I think we should embrace the lumps. Yeah. Embrace the lumps, embrace guys. Embrace the imperfections. Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Suwala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Suwala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you can always come to lovely, cuddly old me <laughs> at, at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Okay, we've got a couple of questions here. And the first one is from Paul, 42 in Chiswick. I'm a divorced father of two teenage girls. For the last three years, I've been in a long-term relationship with my girlfriend, who has a 10-year-old boy from her previous relationship. Last summer, we moved in together. It was the first time the kids had spent significant time together, aside from meals at restaurants and days at the beach. The kids went into the arrangement with a positive attitude. However, the reality of us all living together is far harder to negotiate than I think any of us realised. My girlfriend's son is used to being the only child and having unlimited attention mm. from his mum, and now she's shared with my teenage girls. Similarly, my girls aren't very sensitive to the 10-year-old's yearning for his mother's time, so that as, as they are quite used to getting on with things on their own. There's been a lot of tension in our house in trying to understand the rules of blending our two families and respecting our different approaches as parents. I think that we should have gone on a few extended holidays leading up to moving in together to get a feel for what problems could arise and how these could be sorted out. 
Wow. Well, one thing I would say, mm, holidays. Holidays can prove. <laughs> I don't think that would necessarily give you no. holidays are fraught in oh, blended God. families. Absolutely fraught because everyone's trying to make up for all the lost time that they didn't have. Yes. And it's such an enormous ask that there's usually a massive sense of failure by the mm. end of it. But, I mean, we had great holidays as oh, a blended family where we had so much fun, but also there was a lot of pain because there was there was the differences being shown all the time. I, I do think the, the concept of time and the lack of it and the idea of time running out is a key constituent mm. part of any blended family because there's always a ticking clock at work in the children coming into the family situation. And so holidays, they start off off great, but they end up often awfully because you're kind of heading to the inevitable end. I mean, I'm awful for that anyway. As soon as I go on holiday, I'm thinking about the fact that the holiday's got to come to an end. I know it's annoying. But then with children, because of course there's the double there's the double move that say although although uh, is it Paul, although Paul's talking about the difficulties, say you're all getting on really well. We've had as many times where it's gone so well that people don't want to split up, that they don't want to separate, that almost the sort of the, the synchronicity between the children has been so spot mm. on that, that the idea of terminating it, it is, is both distressing to, to both sets of kids and to yourself. So there's this t- sort of almost, you have vested interest in sometimes it yeah. not being perfect. But our heart goes out to you with this, yeah. with the trying to find your... I mean, it's one of the most stressful things in the world is to live with another blooming person, isn't it? We know that because we know that from marriage. Yes. And and yet you're asking all these different personalities with all their different pain and worries and to... And, you know, I mean, if there's... What I would say is, if, 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 if somebody was asking me my advice now, I would say... Give the same advice as we as we've learned within our marriage from couples counselling, though it usually goes wrong and we end up having a massive row. But um, to sit around the table and to give everybody a minute to speak with nobody interrupting mm. works really, really well. Because the problem is with that amount of people, nobody's really listening to anybody. Yeah. So I think a minute of talking or two minutes, you know, you get the talking stick. It's what you know. You can spend thousands on shrinks, and lots of them will tell you the same thing: listen to each other, communicate. Listen Listen with an open heart and an open mind. Mm. Um, I've got one here from Andrea, 38, Harrogate. I've been a single parent for a while. My husband and I split soon after our child was born and my my daughter has only really known us as separated parents. She doesn't see her dad much as he's moved further away and isn't present most of the time. Five years ago, I met someone at work and we had a couple of flings. Over time, these flings got more frequent and now we've been in a relationship for around two years. My boyfriend is not a parent, but my son sees him as a second dad. Until recently, we've only really spent a day or two at a time together on weekends and the odd night during the week. Then at Christmas last year, my boy and I spent two weeks with my boyfriend and his family. I think that my partner felt bolstered by being with his family and started to tell my son off when he helped himself to chocolate or did things he shouldn't. It's not that it was wrong to tell him off. He was breaking rules and I probably would have told him off for some of these things, but I felt like I was losing control of parenting my son. All of a sudden, I realised that if we moved in together, I'd have to give this person an amount of say over how he was raised, even though for the most part of my son's life, he wasn't even around. I haven't talked to my partner about this yet, but I can see this choice looming. Do we move in together to a life of me constantly holding my tongue, or do I refuse in the interest of my son and risk losing my relationship? Well, mm, you know what? The thing is, it's really... I couldn't imagine having another relationship with somebody and them telling my daughters anything. Right. But, you know, I think, 
you've got, you've got to remember is that your children grow up and they leave. Hmm. So what is that about? Is that about control or is that about um, possessiveness or is that an instinct that's telling you he's not doing it in the right way and maybe this isn't the healthiest thing for my child? You've got to work through all those questions because say he's just a really lovely person and this could be a great relationship and it's just about you relinquishing mm. a control that you're not ready to relinquish. Well, you've got to do that at some point anyway. When they're about 16, it all goes out the window anyway. Yeah. So I think you have to be really mindful of that. And again, it's about communication. It's about saying, listen, you know, maybe saying, sit and say, listen, you were actually right. You know, that's a good way to start. Who, say, the boyfriend. The boyfriend say, listen, yeah. you were actually right when you said that about the chocolate, but I'm going to be really honest. It just made me feel a bit odd. Hmm. So maybe if we could just move really slowly towards you sort of in any way telling him something, maybe that will be because it's going to be a big shift for all of us. And then could we see how it goes? But definitely I would say before moving in, have lots more situations where you're all together yeah. to see if that can Tested. actually work. Yeah, I mean, I must Because once you've moved in, it's too late. I must admit, though, I'm sort of sitting here slightly in fear of what would have happened if you'd if you'd sort of transformed into this huge disciplinarian, and I wasn't. And yet, yeah. you know, we want our relationship to work. It'd I'd be mean, awful. I'd be fascinated to know how many relationships oh. actually buckle under the weight oh, of that. Oh yes. Where it's not even about how you, whether you share the same attitudes to parenting your own kids, but you have completely different attitudes to parenting one half of yours kids. I mean, that's that's really I once tricky. I watched this documentary and it was um, a step, it was all about step parents. And it was quite clear that the wife hated her stepchildren, <laughs> but she was perfectly nice to them. Right. But she used, and I remember this little boy sitting with this enormous dinner, like a dinner you would give two grown men. And she would say, you can't have any pudding unless you've had all your dinner. And the father was sitting there and I was screaming at the telly saying, can't you see? She's being vile to him. But the dad thought she was just being, you know, fair and being disciplined, which she wasn't. She'd given this child an enormous plate of food. There was no way he could finish and he wanted his pudding. But just finally, I would say, although I didn't come from a blended family, I had countless step-like mm, parent types coming mm, in who thought they could parent me. Awful. And, regard, and I was a very quiet child in the face of all of them. We know, kids know when a step-parent doesn't really like you. Mm. And that is a problem. What, so do you, that... what do you do if, as a step-parent, you just don't like your stepchildren? Well, we need to have another discussion That's about that. We problem. haven't got time for that today, but that is yeah. another big decision. Because I, maybe I should ask myself why most of my mum's partners didn't like me. Maybe it was me. That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>